Welcome back to another episode of Boys Lunch Talk. This is episode 19, and we're sitting down with the one and only Leo Thatcher, John's grandfather. It's going to be a good episode. Talk about the war, talk about the war before the war, and talk about post-war. Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam. Now we have to wait. We're doing this new thing where we uh, we wait till the intro music. No, I, it's fine. We can just talk about it. That is true. We can talk about whatever we want. Let's get into it. My name's Sam. My name's John. And we are your average bros. Let's get into it, baby. Grandpa, how you doing? I'm doing great. How have you uh, grown a beard? How have you been doing during uh, quote-unquote quarantine? Well, my wife says, well, why are you shaving? I says, because I've done it all my life. And <laughs> she says, well, why? I says, I don't know. I just do it. Oh, my gosh. You and know, I, so I good. decided that since my son uh, and uh, one of my grandsons decided to grow beards hey i may as well too but mine turned out white uh-huh. theirs turned out dark yeah it look, it's got the santa claus vibe for sure so have you ever done no shave november no no, no. Right. the only time i didn't shave was one time when i was up in alaska and we were going down a river and uh we were gone about a week and a half and uh, catching lots of fish. And it was kind of fun. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we found some rapids that uh, tried to turn us upside down in the Ooh. creek. And that was cold water. But as we were going down, uh, one of the kids in the boats in front of us decided that uh, he was, well, he fell off the boat when we were in a lake. And going down the river, we came around, uh, Jared, my son, and I came around a bend, and as all I could see was hands up above the water. And so I told him to, you know, head for the hands. So went over there, and I had to jump across the front of the boat to pull him up out of the water. And I broke my fly rod and my uh half frame camera kind of went in the water so you sa- you sacrificed it. your rod and your camera for this man yeah how old he, was he i don't know he's some boy scout that didn't have the sense <laughs> oh i better not say that okay <laughs> oh man all right well Obviously, we'll talk about like your experience in Vietnam. But before, where'd you grow up? Where'd you? Uh, what'd you do? Well, I grew up in Ogden, Utah, during the Second World War, and uh, the right in front of the house was the Ogden River, and uh, we would always play on the river during the summer, and uh, then we'd use sleds to go down Jackson Hill and then going up the canyon I would always follow my big brother which I wasn't supposed to because it was a very windy road and uh, it was kind of scary but it was fun <laughs> and then where'd you go to high school and college well I went to high school at uh, David Douglas in Portland Oregon mm. And I went to college in two places. I started out at BYU, but then I had this stupid draft notice 
my friends and neighbors wanted me to serve them. So I had to go play Army. And then uh, when I got back, I finished college at uh, St. Martin in Lacey, Utah, or Lacey, uh, wherever the state is. Uh, Washington, that's where okay. it was. Okay, Lacey, Washington. Yeah. So how old were you when you got your draft letter? Um, I think I was 20. No, I was 19 when I got it. Because when I, yeah, I must have been 19. Do you? I uh, don't know. That was that was 50 years ago. Yeah. So do you do you remember opening and reading it for the first time? And like, how did you feel? Did you think it was? I mean, did you think it was I real? I thought, oh darn. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'm going to say about that. Okay. All right. So you weren't too excited to go uh, serve your country. Not at that moment. Oh, I was always excited. I mean, where else can you play with guns and shoot stuff, bayonet stuff? And that is true. That is true. Did you have a favorite gun? Yeah, the M60 machine gun mounted on my helicopter. Oh, okay. So did you get to choose where you went from the draft, or did they just oh, sign no. you? No. Well, they, they wanted me to go into... I said, okay, I'm drafted, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I go in as a draftee, what... What are my options? And they said, well, you get to serve two years, and then you uh, are on call for seven. And I says, what do you mean on call? They says, well, uh, we can call you up at any time. I said, oh, how about if I enlist? They said, well, you serve three years, and you're scot-free. I says, I'll take that option. Yeah, right. And they said, well, don't you want to be an officer? You've been going to college. And I says, well, what's the options there? They said, well, you uh, serve uh, for about four years, and then you're on the hook for uh, the next, uh, well, 20 years altogether. And I said, no, I don't like that option at all. And so I decided to enlist. So I enlisted, and they said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, what are my options? They says, you don't have any. I said, okay. (laughs) So then they gave me the stupid test. And they said, hey, you're going to be a good mechanic. I says, well, that sounds like fun. (laughs) What are my options? They says, well, (laughs) we've got lots of options we're going to assign you to uh, a helicopter. And I said, well, that sounds like fun. Do I get to fly in them? They said, no, you're going to fix them on the ground. I said, okay. Because uh, if you fix them on the ground, you aren't out in How where you get shot at. You're not in combat. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got to go through basic training. And mm-hmm. so due to the fact I was out of shape, I've always been out of shape. I, I, don't, be, I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I didn't like shapes, except for girls. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> you got to have levity. Uh, so, basic. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I went to Fort Lewis, 
And that was interesting because you walk in and all of a sudden, as you walk in, you've got your civilian clothes on and they say, take it off. (laughs) Okay. So we stripped down and then start handing out stuff. And the guy in front of me, uh, as you're going through, they have one guy on each side with a, a gun. You know, shoot, because uh, you got to get all your shots. Okay. And the guy in front of me, they hit his bone with the gun, and it sprayed me in the face. That wasn't fun. Jeez. So we get up there, and he was allergic to wool. He says, I'm allergic to wool. They said, put it on anyway. <laughs> Too bad. So he put it on. He broke out in hives. He got out of the Army the next day. Oh, lucky him. Oh, yeah. So we're going through, and, you know, you got to, you, you, after you've got these shots, your arms hurt like crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. So you go out there, and I say, drop, give me 50. <laughs> I don't I have 50 bucks. They said, no, push-ups, you idiot. And so I gave them about two push-ups, and I said, <laughs> I'm tired. And they said, keep going. So you do what they tell you, and you stay out of trouble for about 10 seconds until you're in trouble again. So anyhow, we're, you know, you got to take these classes on how you uh, take care of people when they're injured. And so it came up that, uh, you know, what if you're burned? And I raised my hand. I says, well, you put ice on it or anything cold they says no you're supposed to put um you know grease on it and i said you idiot that's not what you do for burns because it's just gonna cook your skin and that's not what's in the manual i says well i don't care what's in the manual nobody better put grease on me when i'm burned and it's about that time this uh guy with the you know, the little um, the sword through the um, snake came walking by. I says, hey, sir, what do you do for burns? He says, you put ice on it. I said, okay, thanks. And so the drill instructor, I never was on his good side. I don't know why. Right. I, <laughs> I think I figured it out. But anyhow, then they uh, after basic, they send you off to eat what they call EIT, which is Advanced Individual Training. <clears throat> and I was in uh, Fort, Eust- or Fort Eustis, Georgia. Or, no, Virginia. Yeah. I liked going to Georgia because there were some cute girls there. But anyhow, we Speaking won't go into that. Anyhow, so I was down there, and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, his name was Batman, mm. and uh, he was uh, in about maybe 10 miles from the base, so I'd go over and see him. Anyhow, after that, I went to, um, let's see, where does it go? It, it was, uh, I could see Cheyenne Mountain from it. Yeah, you know, whatever that place was called. 
Oh, and uh, do you know John? So I stayed there. Oh, it was Fort Carson, Colorado. Colorado. Oh, there it is. Anyhow, I stayed there uh, for about two years, almost to the end of my, or not quite two years, about a year and a half. And so I kept taking these training courses. And, uh, of course, uh, since I didn't drink, uh, everybody wanted me to be their designated driver. So I got to go out to all the clubs free and drink all the pop I wanted. Of course, I wasn't a diabetic then. So, so you could get away with it. <laughs> I could get away with how it. Were, uh, how were the ladies at the clubs? I don't know. I know I was too busy dancing. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but since I didn't drink and I would take off every Thursday to go to what was called MIA, which is Mutual Improvement Association at our church. Uh, Isn't that missing? And I'd come back and the guys say, well, you know, you, you always have a smile on your face. How come? And I says, well, you want to go with me? And um, when we got back one night, uh, <laughs> I heard a couple of them say, you know, we didn't drink, and we had a heck of a lot of fun. Really? And I says, see, you got to know what you're doing. Then I got uh, the orders to go to Vietnam, which was, yeah, what the heck. I went over there, and Charlie decided to throw a party for me. They blew up my barracks well, the first day I was there. And um, as I was getting ready to go to bed, uh, one of the guys that was in the same um, place as I was, he came in from the what bombly bomb stand. And if you don't know what a bombly bomb stand, it's uh, where you get uh, alcohol that's not legal. And he was about three sheets to the wind. And I said, uh, hey, what are we supposed to do? Because the sirens were going off and you could hear the explosions walking in on you. And he said, oh, these fools running around are going to get hurt. I'm going there. And he pointed under his bed. So I figured, hey, he's been here. He knows what to do. So I went under his bed on one side. He went on the other. And story came down off the top bunk and he kind of sandwiched me in between as the rocket hit the top floor of the barracks and kind of blew it up. And I got some cool pictures of it. And uh, where the tail end of the rocket went through, uh, it, if I would have been in bed, it would have took my head off because uh, there was a hole right in the side there and uh, there was a burn mark right across my pillow. So I decided that was a good place to be instead of in Buck. And then uh, the uh, second lieutenant came in. He's the one that came over the same day I did. He says, uh, <clears throat> everybody out in the trucks, we got to defend the flight line. And I said, okay. So I went out there and he says, everybody on the trucks. I says, sir. What are we going to do? Say, bang, bang, you're dead. And uh, everybody about that time was laughing. And he says, well, where are the rifles? And I 
said, well, I don't know. And then uh, so one of the guys says, well, they're in the conics. And he says, but the conics is locked. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I think I'm worth more than, uh, you know, $2.50 lock. You break the bloody thing. And so we broke it. So we started handing out the rifles. And um, <laughs> the company clerk says, what's the serial number on that rifle? And I said, good. Something rather. We, <laughs> what kind of an outfit am I in? And so uh, he decided not to take down the serial numbers. And then uh, I said, sir, these things don't work without bullets. And he says, well, where are they? And one of the guys says, well, they're in that other conics. And he says, I know, will you break the lock? I says, good thinking, sir. So we hop in the trucks. We go out to the flight line. He stops the truck and he says, you three, go down, or, you know, stay right here and guard this part of the flight line. And I said, sir, it uh, looks like there's some sandbags down there. Do you mind if we go down there and kind of build ourselves some protection? Oh, that's a good idea. I'll tell the rest of them. I thought, whoa, are we in trouble? <laughs> Get down there. I check how many rounds I got. I got seven. And uh, in fact, each of us had seven, which makes 21 rounds. And I think, boy, this is going to be a short firefight if we get in one. So we're down there, and the sun comes up. and All of a sudden, we see this guy kind of grab hold of the side of the building that's crossed the flight line. And he kneels down and starts banging away. And he looks over his shoulder, and he sees us, and he says, Don't shoot, and I'm an American. So we say, Okay. So he comes and he jumps a six-foot Constantina fence with a pack, his rifle, and about eight bandoliers of ammo. So he comes over and he dives in the hole where we are. And he says, how much ammo have you got? I says, well, between us, we got 21 rounds. He says a whole bunch of bad words. He peels off a bandolier, hands it to me, and one to each of uh, the other guys, and so I quickly load my uh, rifle with more ammo, and uh, about that time, uh, our gunship comes over and goes, Bleh. and we didn't hear any more uh, fighting from that side of the building anymore. So that was my first day and night in combat. So for everyone listening, though, what uh, wasn't was that the Tet Offensive, right? That uh, yeah, that was the first Tet Offensive. All right, and so it was supposed to be a ceasefire between the North Vietnamese and the South and the Americans, right? Because it was the holiday of Tet and like their New Year's. Oh yeah, it's their New Year's, and maybe that's why they decided to attack because they figured that Americans would be partying like the. Uh, The South Vietnamese. South Vietnamese there we yeah. go. Uh -huh. I so what happened after the? Uh, There's a marine, right, that jumped the fence and came over. Oh no, he was a a lerp, a oh, okay. long range reconnaissance patrol guy. Gotcha. Anyhow, he he, he kind of thought we were nuts. 
And I think we probably were. But uh, anyhow, the first thing they had me do after that was uh, a helicopter had taken off and a little LOH, which is a small helicopter, took off and it uh, came up underneath the other helicopter and took off the skids. So the helicopter had no skids and they told me, okay, put the skids back on. Okay. (laughs) So... I jacked it up, and I took the skids, and nothing ma- lined up, so I got to come along, and I made it line up, put bolts back in it, and they said, well, you must know what you're doing. So they made me the chief of the crew. So in a couple of days, we were out there, and we were just about ready to put the helicopter together. Uh, well, we had it all together except for the armor plated seats and the stabilizer bar that goes on top of the rotor blades but uh, the eight bolts were supposed to be taped to the stabilizer bar but I couldn't see them and none of the uh, eight guys on my crew could see them so I said okay take a smoke break I'll order new ones so they left the helicopter and I walked over to get the bolts, and about that time, uh, a rocket hit the top of the hangar, and I went flying through the air up against the, it was probably about six foot in the air and about uh, 15 feet, and I hit the side of the hangar and came down over top of the electrical boxes, so I turned off the electricity and grabbed a fire extinguisher and ran around putting out fires, and then uh, I decided since I was covered with JP4, which is jet fuel, I probably should go change my clothes because I don't want to light up like a you know Roman candle or anything. So I went back to the barracks, and I changed my clothes. I came back, and there was a stupid lieutenant colonel. He took a cigarette, and he put it in his mouth. He was taking his lighter out, and I told him in no uncertain terms that he was an idiot because he was standing in about uh, three inches of JP4. <laughs> and I don't know, he must, well, since he was a smoker, he probably couldn't smell <laughs> that he was standing in. And uh, about that time, this guy behind me in a big old deep voice says, and if he doesn't, I will. I turn around as the base commander. So I decided that since I'm a little E4, I better find some place to hide. So I left. But I did learn one thing. If you had a clipboard and uh, you walked around like you knew what you're doing, you could steal anything, you know, if you needed some bolts. Uh, you could go steal them from anybody because you had a clipboard. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever questioned you. What was the coolest thing you stole? Well, air conditioners. <laughs> you make like yourself that. a little penthouse? Hmm? You make yourself a little penthouse? Oh, no. Stealing stuff and just... No, I did steal a bunch of paint. And there was this dog that uh, everybody kind of fed booze. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I and the top sergeant were the only ones that were nice to the dog. So he kind of liked me. So he kind of slept. And kept me alert for what was happening. 
anyhow, uh, so would you so say somebody fed him turpentine just before I left, which uh, made him foam at the mouth, and they shot him. Oh. So I didn't him. need to worry about the dog coming home with me. What was yeah. the uh, what was so the dog's sad. name for the viewers? <laughs> you really want me to say? I, I would love to. Yeah, shithead. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, I called him dog. So pleasant, dog. Do you want to tell uh, the story of, of dog and uh, when he wanted to take you to the uh, the one oh. diner? Well, uh, okay. I was out on the flight line, and I just had the helicopter just perfect. I had the blades just perfect so that everything, when you put your finger, what you do is you take your finger and your hand, and you put it on with your index finger up in the air and with the helicopter running, and if the finger wiggles, you know that you don't have it perfect. If it stays rocks steady you know mm -hmm. the helicopters perfect so i had it just perfect so i shut the helicopter down and then i uh was standing there and the dog comes up and starts pulling on my pant leg so i say huh? okay where do you want to eat you want to eat at our mess hall or the air force mess hall and dogs have a pretty good sense of smell so they know where they like to eat so he takes off for the air force mess hall so I get down and I walk over to just around the edge of the revetment and a rocket blows up the helicopter. So I thank the dog and we go eat. I mean, there's nothing you can wow. do when yeah, a right. helicopter goes boom. <laughs> there's no saving it. So how, so how often were rockets just blowing up stuff in your camp? Yeah, about every third or fourth night. Okay. We were at Benoit, which is a big Air Force base. Okay. But they could still hit us with rockets. And, okay, one night, <laughs> got to tell you this. Okay. We're, <laughs> and we're out working at night. Oh, the way I got to work at nights instead of days was uh, they told me I couldn't, you know, you can't work at night. I says, you want to bet? I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> And so I waited till the top sergeant was uh, within their sh shot. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, they can't make me work nights. So guess what? I'm working nights the next night. Reverse psychology right there. No. He, he, well, okay. And another thing. Um, with uh, the friends that I made at BYU, a lot of them were in the... Uh, intelligence service there at the base and so mm -hmm. they would come over to my place to be away from everybody uh because girls were sending me you know cookies cakes uh, fudge i had it all mm -hmm. <laughs> hey that's what the girls were for absolute ladies man so are these what well, were these girls are they were they nurses and stuff or oh well, that's girls you meet okay and you they felt sympathy for you going in the service so you know yeah oh oh the girls were back home not on not oh. in uh in vietnam i think Sam. Uh, no no they gotcha they weren't in vietnam they were back home mm -hmm. oh, and they okay. were i thought you were meeting girls <laughs> oh well they, or like the nurses or well uh, okay i could tell you about that too but i won't well no we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that later we'll talk about that later okay well anyhow <laughs> So, I, oh, I forgot to tell you that the bolts for the helicopter were taped 
to the stabilizer bar just like they were supposed to be, but I couldn't see them and none of the other guys. And uh, before I left, my dad gave me a father's blessing, which is in the church, uh, which is the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Anyhow, the father's blessing was... uh, that uh, if I did what I was supposed to, the Lord would protect me and I'd come home safe. Mm. Which, uh, boy, he was working overtime to protect me. It's a good thing I was doing what I was supposed to, or I'd been dead mm-hmm. quite a few times. So anyway, and uh, so I figured I better put that in so you know what, what I'm... And I noticed one thing when I was over there. The people that did not have a faith and didn't, you know, were caught up in whatever they were caught up in, mm-hmm. uh, they were the ones that uh, were going crazy and needed help when they got back, like my cousin. He wasn't really, uh, I'm not sure how to put it, but he he was just kind of going along with everything and he didn't care about anything and when he got back he was a basket case was he the uh, tunnel rat yeah yeah i mean that's a very <laughs> tough job yeah <laughs> i'm glad i was too big to be a tunnel rat yeah i mean i i was a quarter inch under 6 foot mm-hmm. which was i couldn't be a pilot I mean, I could have been a pilot if they, if they really wanted me to, but uh, I didn't want to stay in the service any longer than possible. Mm-hmm. So, so what's a, what's a tunnel rat? Oh, a tunnel rat. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Over in Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese would uh, dig tunnels, and in the tunnels they would have hospitals and uh, places for barracks and stuff. And a tunnel rat would find these tunnels and go down the tunnels and just and try to avoid all of the mines and you know the booby traps booby traps and stuff like that and uh you know kind of incapacitate the tunnels for the use of the Viet Cong. okay so anyway so you're talking about your uh, intelligence buddies my what? BYU. Oh. Your buddies would come over. We got off on a big day. Well, okay. <laughs> well, uh, they'd like to come over, and so they never had any insignia on them except for U.S. That's all they had on their shoulders. So nobody knew who they were, and they thought maybe I was a plant or something because everybody came over. But... The reason they came over is because we were friends, <laughs> but uh, and actually, uh, the uh, XO of the uh, my unit was uh, also a friend, and uh, in the church we have what used to be called home teachers, which was people that would go out and visit the members and make sure they were okay and stuff like that and help them out if they needed any help. So anyway, he was my uh, senior companion 
And so I'd go to the uh, first sergeant and I'd say, hey, um, I need to talk to the XO. And he'd say, about what? And I said, so this is a personal problem, no problem. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing to do with the military. And uh, so I, and he'd say, well, uh, and go to the motor pool, get a Jeep, and meet me at 6 o'clock, and we'll go take care of <laughs> oh, Okay, so I'd go to the motor pool check out a Jeep and we'd go take care of uh, our church colleagues. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, I went on R&R to the Philippines. And while I was in the Philippines, I did meet some nurses that were <laughs> there on R&R from Which Vietnam. <laughs> and we went to... Uh, a place called, I believe it was Panjan Falls. And like an idiot, I forgot that I'm fair-skinned and freckled, and I burn easy. <laughs> and so I had my swimsuit on and a shirt, and uh, I forgot about my legs. And they got uh, second-degree burns. Oh, jeez. Put ice on it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grease them up? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> But every, every uh, when I was working days, I would grab a handful of ice that was as big mm-hmm. as my hand, and I'd rub it over my face to keep the uh, burn mm. from getting an Article 15. And then I found a nice uh, sombrero, and uh, <laughs> I've still got it, by the way. Oh, really? And it's starting to look a little ragged because of the age of it. But anyway, when I go to schools to talk about Vietnam and show a bunch of slides that I got, because they were confiscating all of the uh, pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that the uh, best way to keep your pictures was take slides, send them home to your mom, and develop them when you get home. And that's what I did. So Smart man. So anyway, we... Uh, I got back from uh, R&R in the Philippines. You know, I also took an R&R after they blew up my helicopter. Uh, I went to R&R in Japan, and they, uh, I went to the XO, and I said, is there some way I can go to the uh, church-sponsored uh meeting that they're having over in Japan. He says, sure. So I got there. And it got over the day I got there, which was, <laughs> eh, you know, you, you go with what you get. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, and it was kind of cool because in Japan, uh, they had the foods at the restaurants in plastic, and you could just point one. And if it tasted good, you'd eat it. And if it didn't taste good, you'd order something else. Uh, and then the, uh, you needed to go someplace, you'd always ask a little kid because they spoke English better than I do. So anyway, I got back from the Philippines uh, on the mm-hmm. last one. And somebody had taken uh, and done the uh, 25-hour maintenance on the helic- on my helicopter. And they had switched the O-rings 
that go the fuel o-rings one o-ring same size as the um oil o-ring but uh, they're different compounds and so i didn't know it at the time and so i checked and we we didn't have a leak and we were flying along beautiful day not a cloud in the sky and i noticed some water coming off of the rotor blades so I look back on the helicopter and I see this trail of wet. And so I hit the mic button and I tell the pilot, I said, uh, set this thing down, send it down gentle, and set it down now or I'm jumping. And we were over top of the Mekong River. And uh, he says, well, why? And I says, take a look at your fuel gauge. And it was dropping pretty fast. So he set it down, and he got out, and he looked at the uh, tail boom dripping with fuel, and he turned absolutely opaque. I couldn't believe it. I was more interested in that than anything else. I always carried spare parts for something that might break down, so I fixed it. Uh, we flew back to the base, because we were low on fuel and the rest of the uh, helicopters went on the mission and got shot up. So really? So did you, where'd you land? Just in a field? Huh? Did you, where'd you land the helicopter? Oh, well we landed at a fire base. Oh, okay. So I got some cool pictures of the fire base when we landed. And while we were waiting for um, some other people that, that were going to go back to our base. Uh, I got playing around with the, they had, they had uh, some uh, uh, 50 caliber machine gun bullets that were tracers. And if you pry off the tracer, pour out half the powder, put the tracer back in, and then put a little bit of the powder on top and light it, you can get a real cool. <laughs> like a firework? <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of like uh, what we used to do with the uh, smoke grenades. We'd pry off the oh, yeah. the bottom of them. And we'd powderize it a little bit with a knife or something. Yeah, and then we'll put the thing back on. You throw it the smoke grenade out, and it just act like a smoke grenade. And then you'd get a great big puff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, which reminds me, one time we were <laughs> flying over something. <laughs> And we started receiving fire from down below mm-hmm. on a triple canopy. And I happened to be playing with one of these grenades, and I'd already powderized it. And it happened to be green. <laughs> and so uh, I just popped it and threw it out. And the gunship behind us went blip, and we didn't receive any more fire from down below. I love I love your explosion sound. There's the blip. Oh, blip. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> puff the magic dragon was even better. It sounded like a big uh, fart from a so. <laughs> so puff the magic dragon has multiple meanings now. Oh, so what, what's what's your puff the magic dragon? Oh well, it was a gunship. Uh, actually, it was a C C fours, and they'd put uh, mini guns and uh, take out the windows and 
put mini guns in the windows and then mm. they could, you know, tip the ship and put the fire right where they wanted it. Gotcha. So, so clearly you're quite the ladies man. Not really. <laughs> Cause <laughs> the ladies always say, huh, you're too good for us. Oh, oh. oh humble, <laughs> humble as well. I like it. <laughs> no. I appreciate it. No, that was, that was their way to say bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then who was all sending you the fudge and stuff? Random ladies or just people you knew? Uh, just people I knew, the yeah. girls. Okay, and the nurses? Nothing lasted? Well, uh, I wrote them a couple letters, but yeah. Yeah. They were... Fun in the moment? Yeah, fun at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we uh, went on a few trips with them and while I was over in the Philippines, but... Nothing ever happened. Gotcha. So, uh, how often did you go out on the actual helicopter and go out on missions? Oh, about every day. Oh, really? Okay. Well, wh- what I did was uh, for the first half of the year, I worked as the maintenance crew leader, and for the second half of the year, I got bored with doing that, and so I was um, when my shift was over, I'd hop on one of the helicopters, an extra gunner, and go out and have fun. Because I love shooting a machine gun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. <laughs> and I always had about uh, 3,000 rounds for my gun That uh, when I had my own helicopter, and mm-hmm. I was the crew chief on it. How many do you usually, like, does the Army tell you to carry? I haven't got a clue. I who pays attention to what they tell you. So it seems, I mean, is it fairly unorganized? Like the leadership there just isn't really that good? Well, you do know the difference between the Boy Scouts and the uh, military, don't you? Yes. The Boy Scouts have adult leadership. Oh, okay. (laughs) And uh, and other things. Wow. (laughs) But uh, so you just, the leadership was horrible? Let's put it this way. They fudged the numbers. Mm-hmm. They did everything that the upper brass told them to do, and they had no common sense. So they were just chess pieces, just kind of. You got it. Mm-hmm. So you got to think for yourself. If you want to stay alive, you think for yourself. Yeah, right, I think that's pretty you, important. You, you obey the commands, mm-hmm. but you think for yourself. Follow the guidelines, but, you know. Right, you did. You yeah. did what you had to do to survive. Well, yeah. Like when I who, got who back, right? <clears throat> when I got back from Vietnam, they, I got assigned to get uh, some stuff ready to go over to Vietnam because mm-hmm. the whole unit was going to go over to Vietnam, and so I made a deal with the CO because every time I was all by myself in the barracks working on something, they would. Uh, ask me to do some menial job. And uh, I was trying to take a course in calculus. And so I made a deal with the CO. I said, okay, I'll get your uh, PLL unit ready to go with everything all buttoned down. And and if I can, uh, you know, take the rest of the time and go... Uh, work on this uh, calculus 
And uh, so the CEO said, sure. So uh, I bought me a rocking chair, and, you know, a foldable one. Mm-hmm. And, of course. <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, <laughs> oh, well, I probably shouldn't tell this, but anyhow. No, continue, continue. Uh, one, <laughs> we were missing four bolts that go on universals for um, the Jeeps. And so uh, I told my guys, I says, go out and steal one bolt from some universals from any particular Jeep. I don't care where you get them, just get them. (laughs) So they got them. I put them in the log. I sealed the thing up, and I took the rest of the time working on my calculus. calculus at the old fishing hole. Didn't <laughs> fish, but <laughs> that's where I was, and I had a fish. And uh, the uh, military police would come out, and they'd see me there, and I know, you're you're authorized to be here. And so they'd leave me alone. Mm-hmm. So you talk about, like, going to this, you know, fishing hole, and you talked about, like, going well, on trips with, you know, some ladies. But, like, how, how did that work? When did you get free time? When did you get to just go to the, you know, ocean or whatever and swim or? Well, uh, if you're crafty enough and you work it out with a couple of your buddies, Mm -hmm. you could uh, pull KP and then you get the next day off. So you'd pull KP for two days, you get two days off. What's KP? What's KP? Well, it's kitchen patrol. Oh. Uh, You know, peeling potatoes, washing dishes, doing that. And so if you do it for three days, you get three days off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so one time uh, I wanted to see this girl in Utah. And so I pulled KP for three days, and I got three days off, so I drove to Utah. From Colorado? Colorado. Yeah. Oh, which, is, which is a little bit... Beyond what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this was just before I got my orders. Okay. In fact, I did have my orders to go to Vietnam. So I spent some time with uh, Luana. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so in between uh, Salt Lake and... Uh, uh, Dinosaur, there's nothing. Well, there's one town in between there that's of any size, and it's kind of a left hand turn at the end of town. And so I was flying a little low. Uh, uh, the officer said I was doing 140, but I didn't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled me over and he asked me, he says, Son, uh, where's the fire? I said, well, I got to be back, uh, you know, at Fort Carson and uh, so I can take off to go to Vietnam. He says, do you have your orders? I said, yeah. He says, can I see them? I says, yeah. So I showed him my orders and uh, he says, eh, just keep it under 100, would you? <laughs> Especially through town. So I said, okay. So uh, I left and at Dinosaur, um, which is a junction um, where you have to go through. 
there were six cops and they waved at me as I went by. And when I got to Seamboat Springs, a cop met me. He turned on his siren and waved at me to follow him, so I followed him through town. But when I got into the mountains, uh, I figured I better go a little slower because it was icy. And so I got to back and checked in uh, about two minutes before the guy that was holding the book open for me was ready to <laughs> turn books over to the next guy. Mm-hmm. So I was, I wasn't AWOL. And I made it back. Just barely. Uh, yeah. So if you weren't going 140, you wouldn't have made it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I did hit one deer one time, uh, going probably about 90. On yeah. that trip? And what? And yeah. What, what kind of car? Well, it was my Mustang. Oh. Anyhow, I, I hit the bat, back leg of the deer. It kind of messed up the... the uh, Headlight. What about the deer's leg? <laughs> well, I saw him in the rearview mirror spinning around in circles like on a, the ice. Like a bottle cap. But right? I, I could, you know, if you're on ice, you're not, you, you're not stopping. You don't hit the brakes. You don't turn your wheel very Mm-mm. fast or you're going to be in yeah. big trouble. <laughs> like Tokyo Drift? You didn't pull a Tokyo Drift and, you know, counter drift and everything? Well, I don't know anything about that, but uh, <laughs> I do break. know one one day <laughs> when I was going to see a girl, I was going in, you know how powder snow kind of behind big trucks kind of makes it a blackout oh, yeah. or a whiteout? Mm-hmm. Well, the road turned and I didn't. And so I was down <laughs> in the bottom of the barrel pit. And so I figured, you know, if I hit, the brakes or anything i'm not going to make it back up on top Mm -hmm. so i just kept going and i eased it back on the road and i got three tires on the road but the fourth one wasn't gonna go so i got out of the car and i walked over and i kind of lifted up the back end and kind of pushed the car on the ice over on the road got back in but like an idiot i forgot to take and my gloves and i put my hand and it stuck to the car so i had to really pull to get my hand off was this in colorado yeah so you managed to drive off the road and then partially back onto the road oh yeah and then lifted your car onto the road but now your hand was stuck on the car well yeah no big deal yeah right it just hurt a little so, and most people don't know how to drive on ice. Hey. Are you one of them? Oh, no, I know how to drive on ice. Doesn't sound like it, doesn't sound like it. Well, not at 80 miles an hour. Maybe we shouldn't speed, Grandpa, maybe we shouldn't speed. It's well, just a suggestion. Let's put it this way. When, I, when you're young, you're dumb, and you think you got the whole life ahead of it. When you're older, you've got... The money, but you don't have the oomph. It's a good way of putting it. Well, unfortunately, your body at the age I am at, and my mind still thinks I'm 21. 
You don't you don't look a day over twenty one. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Only being seventy five? Oh no. Seventy five oh, uh, years young. Seventy five years young. So after the military I got out and I was working for my uh, well, actually, I worked for BPA, which is Bonneville Power Administration. My dad asked me if I'd like to work for him, and I said, sure, why not? So I worked for him for a couple of years. And then on the last day of the year, he gave me a check of over 100000 And I said, uh, what am I supposed to do with that? And he says, well, uh, that's what you earned and i said oh okay thanks uh but uh, at that particular time uh, taxes took uh, about 85 percent of it that's ridiculous so uh, when i went into business for myself anytime i did work for the government i put my tax on anything i bid okay you know mm-hmm. kind of yeah. get it get it back right uh, well partially partially not 85%, but... No, no, I couldn't do that. Uh, because other people bid, and the low guy gets the job. Mm-hmm. And so you better make sure that uh, your number you bid is going to give you some profit. Because if there's no profit, you've got no... It's a waste no of time. Way, yeah. Yeah, you, it's a waste of time. So right? what were you uh, doing with for, for the government as far as bids go? For... Oh, I did, okay, treatment plants, mm-hmm. you know, sewage treatment plants, water treatment plants, anything we figured we could make a nickel at. Mm-hmm. A couple of times we screwed up, but, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. Most, most of the time uh, we would make money, except for we bid on the Science 5 project down in uh, Corvallis. Mm-hmm. And uh, the plans, they were very bad. And anyhow, and so I hired an extra guy to make sure that uh, anything that was extra was uh, logged in and was signed for. Mm -hmm. But uh, the government says, (laughs) or actually it was Oregon State government, he says, we got more lawyers than you got, uh, so we aren't going to pay you. And so uh, I got uh, about 50 cents on the dollar, and everybody else was getting about 5 cents on the dollar on the extras. And uh, I, uh, during the negotiation I said, well, if that's the case, then I'll see you in court. I picked up everything, started walking out. He says, no, 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 let's let's talk about this. And so I says, okay, there's one thing that I know I'm going to insist on, and that's that the work we done or have done for this college mm-hmm. is final, and you can't come back on us for anything because I know that it's not designed right. I says, if you take a look at the columns that are down there, that stairs coming up, there's cracks in it. And that means that you didn't put enough steel in it. When we put in what you asked for. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at the floors, they're dipped in the center because you forgot to 
put in the uh, weight of the HIVAC, mm -hmm. which is a uh, ventilating and mm -hmm. do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. They didn't put, and so if you put a ball bearing at the, at the doorway of one of the classrooms, it rolled down. to the center. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so you can't come back on me any of that. And the general contractor says, yeah, that's a good plan. We want that in ours too. <laughs> and during that time, uh, the bank was not giving us any money. I had to uh, tell them exactly what it was going to cost for finishing the mm -hmm. project we had. And I did pretty darn good at it. At the end, I ended up with uh, 50 cents short. Oh, yeah. Which was actually pretty darn close. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, so anyhow, we did steel erection and we did... Uh, we built steel for plants in Russia and uh, San Francisco uh, shelters. And far east we went was the Mississippi River. Mm. And on that one, uh, the price of aluminum uh, went astronomical on us. What I bid it at and what the price was was different. So we did get 50% increase on the cost on the aluminum mm. it's a good thing there wasn't too much aluminum on that project or we would have lost our shirts <laughs> so when did you uh when, when did you meet grandma Those that's what i wanted to yeah. know <laughs> the love story of grandma thatcher oh well i met her um at a dance uh well actually it wasn't the dance it was uh Anyhow, I was sitting in the pew in front of her, mm -hmm. and she and her girlfriends were talking so darn loud we couldn't hear the speaker. Mm -hmm. So I turned around to give them a dirty look, and when I saw her, uh, I didn't. I don't think I gave them a dirty look. I kind of got amorized. Right? Anyhow, I liked her. <laughs> anyway, got a little so, excited. Uh, on the way out. Uh, she was ahead of us, or me, and walking to her car. And uh, so I asked the lady that was in charge of our young people. I says, hey, who is this uh, girl in front of us? And she turned around, she turned kind of <laughs> pink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was great for complexion and so uh i would i w once i found out who she was i called her on the phone and okay i was working for my dad at the time mm -hmm. and so i would get up at uh three o'clock in the morning and go to work and uh when i got off work i would go to uh, clackamas community college and um, go to school. Mm -hmm. And then when I got home was probably 10 or 11 o'clock, I'd call her and talk to her till about one o'clock and then I'd go to bed. And so my uh, uncle, uh, he came out one time 
He says, why don't you just marry her and so you can get some sleep? And I thought, hmm, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> now so, you're talking. There you go. Uh, anyhow, uh, I took her home one night. One night. Well, I says, oh, you want to drive in circles and squares? And she says, well, how do you do that? And I says, well, there's circles in uh, Portland, and there's also squares. You know, you go down one block, turn. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. And uh, we pulled up to her apartment, and I said, uh, hey, why don't you open up the glove compartment? And she opened it up, and uh, I had a ring in there. And I said, see if it fits. You sly dog. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm going to fit. I've, mm-hmm. you know, Measured it out. It and everything. fit right here on this little finger. Mm-hmm. And if it fit on this little finger, it fit on her finger. And so that's the way I figured out how big her finger was. And it fit? It fit. And she said yes. That's good. And so, Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, we got married. And then. Uh, we lived right across the, do you know where the cell, you don't know where the Selwood Bridge is, but the Selwood Bridge is right uh, above the amusement park in Portland. Portland, yeah. And uh, right across the street from where our apartment was, was a little tiny church where every weekend there would have two or three weddings. And so we would... Uh, and then upstairs, uh, there was some college students. And Becky said, what is that smell? Because in the bathroom, you know, they didn't have, the bathrooms, their ventilation systems were all hooked together. Mm-hmm. And I says, uh, well, that's bad. marijuana. Oh. And she says, well, how do you know it's marijuana? I says, well, uh, over in Vietnam, uh, some it fool had the idea that, uh, you know, they were going to burn the field of marijuana that was right outside oh. Benoit, and so they burned it. And uh, that night, if uh, the VC would have attacked, nobody would have really cared. <laughs> Everyone was high? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, we, is this your only time being high, Grandpa? Can we record that? I want to make that one of our sound buttons. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, how big was the how big was the field? Oh, probably about too big. Thirty acres. Thirty acres of weed. So would uh, would soldiers sneak out and roll some joints? Is that why they decided to burn it? I don't just, know. Oh, you wouldn't know, except that <laughs> night, right? <laughs> the only reason I know that night is because it <laughs> stunk. So how like you see on these movies, right? People hanging around, sitting on crates, just smoking you know, cigarettes and. You know, playing cards, is that really kind of the culture of, you know, when you're at one of those camps? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Now, the the best part, though, was when we'd fly and land on one of the um, Navy ships. Mm-hmm. First thing they'd ask is, what you want to eat? And we say, real food. Because <laughs> we got, well, the only time we had really good food was during the Tet Offensive when they couldn't send planes out and they had all the steaks. We had steak every night Ooh. for about two weeks. There you go. 
And that was that was good. But the but the Air Force, uh, you always talk about the Air Force diner was a little bit better than your guys' diner. They had fish. Oh yeah, they had better food. I, I think they had better buyers. Let's put it that way. Gotcha, mm. gotcha. The army got what was left over. Just scraps. So what did would you uh, what would you do during the missions? Because you're a mechanic, right? Flying out, but what was your job when you were actually flying? When I was flying, mm-hmm. I would have the machine gun ready, and uh, I would have the area between um, oh, 11 o'clock and uh, about uh, 7 o'clock. That was my area of fire. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the other side would have between 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Okay. And the reason they do that is because you'd have the uh, ship staggered. Mm-hmm. The first ship would go in, and they had a clear range of fire. And the uh, gunship would usually uh, go in first across, and then there'd be a couple of gunships behind. So if we received any large amount of fire, yeah, they could take care of it. Mm-hmm. Because our machine guns, you know, you had to go bam, 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 bam for a couple of seconds, and then you have to let off. Otherwise, the barrel kind of gets hot and starts to droop, and then you couldn't hit nothing. Mm-hmm. But they always had these little white birds out there, and you could always, you know, shoot at the white birds. <laughs> Target <laughs> practice? Oh, yeah. What was uh, What was the mindset kind of of the Vietnamese, like, as? Well, we were... Uh, Given or we had money and we mm-hmm. were spending money, and if you needed anything, is all you do is ask one of the mama sons, mm. and uh, they could get it for you. Like, I needed a knife because mine was missing mm-hmm. out of my toolbox, and so I asked one of the mama sons to get me one of the knives. And next day, she shows up with one mm-hmm. where they got it, I didn't care. Right, it worked. All that matters is that you had a working knife. What was uh? What about the Vietnamese soldiers, though? You know, they. I mean, what I've heard is they were. You know, they shoot to kill. Right. I mean, they were. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, guerrilla warfare. Just... Well, I, I I could tell you about as we were flying along one time, and I saw this guy fly out of a helicopter, and I said, uh, you know, what what's going on? Was it's he a, uh, was he flying oh. or dropping though? <laughs> They were flying, ah. but the the guy flying out of the helicopter was uh, it was some South Koreans, mm-hmm. and the South Koreans didn't take any bull from anybody, mm-hmm. as they they would take, and um, on their questioning of the uh, Viet Cong, uh, if one of the guys looked at another guy before he'd answer, they'd take the guy he looked at, throw him out of the helicopter. And then the guys would sing like crazy. Oh my God. Sometimes they were, you know, just a few feet above the ground, but sometimes they were a little bit higher. Yeah. And you have that uh, wow. you have that picture of the South or the North Vietnamese prisoner, right? In the oh, in yeah. one of your pictures. I'll post that on the Instagram. Yeah. I mean you you took some amazing pictures. Did you bring over a camera with you or did you buy that when you're in Vietnam? Uh, no, I had uh, my half frame camera. Bef- because uh, it, that was when 
I had your dad, the, the half-frame camera, mm-hmm. hit the desk. And yeah. I, because on the half-frame camera, I could get 72 shots out of the 36. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, because it'd fill half of, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And that's where I got most of my pictures. And then uh, they had on one, or on the base, they had a place where you could uh, take your, um, and develop your film. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a bunch of black and white shots and color shots that I've developed myself over there. And I cannot find that notebook that I had all those in. I've still got the uh, the uh, negatives, yeah. if I can find them. But when you've got about 7,000 negatives, it's hard to find the ones you're looking mm-hmm. for. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to have to go through all of them if I live long enough. Oh, you're going to live that. That would be so cool if, if you, uh, when you sell those and then someone buys those and is just looking through all those negatives, that would be... No, I'm keeping those negatives. I'm going to figure out how to develop them. Well... You're too stupid. Okay. At the house, I've got uh, probably 10 boxes that are bigger than this one mm-hmm. of just pictures I've taken. Wow. Gotcha. Cause me and dad went through a lot of those like film slides and you know, there's well, pictures the slides. And, yeah. Yeah. The helicopters and gunships and should we ask him the question? We ask everyone. Oh yeah. yeah okay. So how many, uh, in a fight, how many 10 year olds do you think you could take on right now? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> okay. in your prime. Prime Grandpa Leo, how many? I'm saying 15. I think I could take on 15 10 year olds. Like they're swarming you. I think I think 15. That's a lot, yeah, man. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. Well, let's, let's put it this way: when uh, I got back from Vietnam, my older brother uh, decided he was still stronger than me. Mm. Well, <laughs> he wasn't, <laughs> and uh, I had just flipped him. Clear across the room, and he almost went through the brand new TV as my dad walked in. And my dad says, that's enough of that. So. We'll uh, say 20. Yeah, I think, I think 20. <laughs> I think 20 is a pretty accurate assessment. What? <laughs> We're getting sign language from uh, Jared, sign, Tha- yeah. Jared Thatcher. He's really going for it. What's, what are you oh, signing? it's late? What? Oh, okay. Oh, story <laughs> time. Uh, all right. What he was trying to say was, um, we uh, there was this one kid at uh, church, and he was a real cut up, and uh, he was making things impossible for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so one day, I had had enough of him. I just grabbed him with one hand. I picked him up off the floor and I was talking to him. And I told him in no uncertain terms was he going to act that way anymore around the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. How, how old were you? Oh, I don't know. I Probably, uh, probably 30. 30? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, 
when you're working in steel yeah yeah you're you're a little bit of a hard ass i mean you've been you know <laughs> well, i guess what we were the kid was 10 was the kid 10 uh, no, he was uh, probably 13. 13. Okay, so this is even 14. better, so we know a little older, maybe? at least one. Hmm? Jared's saying he was probably 16. Was he 16? I don't know. Jared <laughs> was, didn't, Jared didn't was care. His, Jared was the same uh, age as he was. Mm. And from that point on, he didn't act like that. Yeah. He, especially when I was around. I, I don't think I would yeah, either. I wouldn't either. And in totally. fact... One of the fathers of another kid that was, yeah, kind of iffy. <laughs> he he says, uh, you know, right now money's kind of hard to get, mm-hmm. and uh, we could join the, uh, you know, the whatever you call them, uh, the National Guard, mm, and we'd is. only have to serve one weekend, uh, you know, a month, and. Mm-hmm we'd make money and i says uh you can do it but i'm not i've been to war once i'm yep. not going you're not again. going back uh those guys were trying to kill me yeah or the guys on the other side yeah, yeah. Other yeah. Side. Sure hope. so anyway uh he ended up going to desert storm and oh. boy am i glad i didn't go with him he came back all screwed up because they gave him shots for uh anthrax Mm -hmm. because they had anthrax over there and uh it kind of screwed him up gotcha okay any other questions you'll probably have to edit out a lot of it no that was perfect it was was great that was perfect so there's uh there's one thing we do when we end up the podcast sam you want to explain it go ahead john okay so um so we call ourselves like the average bros because we're just Oh, shut up, bitch! <laughs> okay, well, um, so it. we we call her we call ourselves <laughs> the average. Grandpa Leah loves it. <laughs> so we we call ourselves the average bros because we're just you know two average guys, and so it's a plan word. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, uh, you know Muhammad Ali, but in Cars he says float like a Cadillac, sting like a Beamer. Muhammad Ali says float like a Cadillac, cat or float. Oh, float like a butterfly. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. So we say, we end off every podcast with sting like a bee. It's like average bros. It's a play on. It's a play on words. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you want to sting like a bee. So if you don't mind saying sting like a bee for us to finish oh. off the podcast. Usually I don't explain it. Steam so. like a bee. There we go. <laughs>